Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Welcome to Manna for Breakfast. We are live now and it's a beautiful sunny day here. And I'm hoping that they get some sun there in Florida and get a little reprieve from all of that rain. And I was in touch with my sister who lives there yesterday. She seems to be okay. Others, um, we heard from Scott and Jeannie, some of you know, they said they were okay. Some of the people we know seem to be okay down there. If you guys have reports or specific prayer requests, obviously we just need to be praying for the devastation uh, Fort Myers and so many different places there loss of homes and businesses and all kinds of stuff and now we've as of last night there was 15 that were counted as dead we just, that's going to continue to rise they say so now the churches are going to be organizing to step up and we should certainly pray that they will be used in a big way, more than just physically to help as they, they're good. So many Calvary chapels are very good at organizing and helping people in the, many, the Baptist churches. So many good churches out there doing a good work, but we need them to be ministering spiritually to the people that have lost everything. That's, um, that's going to be a devastation. And then you have those that have not the ability to um, afford insurance or to rebuild and so there's um, a lot of things going on there that we can be be in prayer about and uh, found out we have a small hurricane heading towards us and right now they, from what we saw yesterday it was only supposed to be a category 2 but any hurricane's bad and uh, might just go right by us we don't know, we have to watch that today and see if it's going to really head towards us or not that's supposed to come um, I haven't checked the weather today. Um, I think I think it said it was supposed to come tomorrow or the next day or something like that. But it's you know I'm looking at the weather right now. There's no warnings, no warnings of it. So that means it's um, it's not on the on the radar physically yet. So probably just going to break up and go right by us. Well, let's look over to this day in trivia. Very interesting. We did this last year, but I just, I love these jokes and what we're looking at here. Try this one. This is the joke of the day on on this day trivia. What's the difference between in-laws and outlaws? (laughs) Outlaws are wanted. (laughs) That's a classic. How about this? George Carlin said this. The reason, sorry, stop laughing. Okay. The real reason that we can't have the Ten Commandments in a courthouse, you cannot post, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, and thou shalt not lie in a building full of lawyers, judges, and politicians. It creates a hostile work environment. (laughs) Well spoken, George. Let's look at some of the other things that happened this day. Cheers started on this day, 1982, September this is what you have when you have a bunch of unsaved people. They hang out in a bar and commiserate all their miseries. Um, the Flintstones started on this day in 1960, September 30th. Last day of September. Tomorrow's October. Can you believe it? Wow. 
Mm, Rifleman started on this day. The Red Skelton Show started on this day, ran 20 years. And, you know, our kids, grandkids, don't know anything about Red Red Skelton Show, but it was a wonderful show. First successful tooth extraction using anesthesia. We're all grateful for William Morton, who began the practice. He performed using anesthesia, although unsuccessfully tried to disguise the name and call it Leosan shortly after it became known as it was ether. So it later became common to use for many types of surgery. There you go. First criminal execution in Plymouth Colony, September 30th, 1630. John Billington was hanged. He was on the Mayflower. And, uh, wow, he, um, he killed someone, killed his neighbor, and so he was sentenced to death. Earthquake strikes India, 1993, on this day, killing 20,000 people. Wow. And this is, an, this is an interesting one. I was reading this before we started to try and go back and do a little research on this. September 30th, 1970, the New American Bible, not the New American Standard Bible. This is says the New American Bible is published in its entirety. It was the first Bibles translated directly into English from the original text under the supervision of the Roman Catholic Church. That sounds interesting because I thought the New American Standard Bible, unless they are misquoting the Bible here, was translated directly and earlier than this. Um, anyway, I have to, you know, and of course we're dealing with something that's translated from the Catholic Church rather than out of the Protestant Church. So that's an interesting one. I'll have to um, look into that. All right, Hoover Dam. Roosevelt dedicates Hoover Dam on this day in 1935. Now, it was completed the following March, but it was dedicated on this day. It was completed ahead of schedule. And only 112 people were reported as killed as part of the construction dam. If you've heard the stories, men would fall into the into the forms on both sides that were forming at the dam while they were pouring concrete, and they couldn't stop. They would fall too far. They couldn't. They just, from my understanding, it was impossible. They would be dead by the time they hit. And uh, they couldn't stop the pour because that would ruin the dam. They needed to have a constant pour so they didn't develop cracks and cold joints, so they had to keep pouring. So there are people in the concrete in Hoover Dam. It's kind of horrible to think about. And I think that will do it. Um, Let's go over to our reading for today. Father God, thank you for our time. Guide us and direct us and help us. As we read through Isaiah yesterday, seeing so many wonderful prophecies, so many cool things, God, just help us also put these chapters in context with Isaiah 52 and 53 as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Go back and read Isaiah 53 if you have not. It's well worth the read. Actually, the end of 52 and 53. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money on what is not bread and your wages on what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me. Eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. 
incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. According to the faithful mercies shown to David, behold, I have made him a witness to the peoples, and a leader and commander of the peoples. Behold, you will call a nation you do not know, because of the Lord your God, even the Holy One of Israel. For he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him, and to our God. For he will abundantly pardon, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth, and making it bare and sprout, and furnishing seed and the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. For you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth with shouts of joy before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, and the, uh, the cypress will come up. Instead of the nettle, the myrtle will come up, and it will be a memorial to the Lord, an everlasting sign which will not be cut off. So how many of us know these uh, verses intimately and kind of forget where they're from. And we use them in the New Testament all the time. My ways are not your ways. God's ways are not our, you know, our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And, um, and all of this, this chapter is really pointing towards this beautiful millennial uh, reign of Christ and how God's word will not return void. God's word is going to go out and water the earth like 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 rain, like snow. It's going to cause growth. Our, our evangelism team went out last night. And the rain down God's word on the people there in in love and just shared the gospel with them. And it'll be exciting to see how that went with them last night. Let me see if I got any information back from them yet or not. Uh so not yet, but it's uh this whole chapter is is exciting because we see God is proclaiming that his word is going to go out to the nations and he's going to bring them into this wonderful conclusion and we're this is following isaiah fifty three talking about the cross, talking about him hanging there on the cross, and the perfect description of the crucifixion and now we see this. The, the result, this really the second coming, and how this is all going to play out as uh, it's God goes forth and establishes his kingdom on the earth. Now, there is all of the consequences for those who do not follow after him, and there is Isaiah giving them the hope in the midst of their own rebellion. And so there is 
Isaiah giving these prophecies for the rewards of obedience to God and the warning to them of not following. So he gives them the goal. This is what's going to come. You're going to have a Messiah. He's going to come. He's going to, he's going to suffer. He's going to die for you. He's going to take all of the burdens upon himself. He's going to, he's going to be bruised and crushed for your iniquities. He's telling Israel that. And then he's going to come and establish this beautiful, beautiful kingdom. And the myrtle tree is going to sprout up or grow up in the place of the briar bush or whatever it was. The thorns, which are part of the curse, are going to go away. And all the beautiful trees are going to come up as a memorial. So everything is going to be, it's, there is an end plan and there is a beauty and there is a perfection to God's plan. If one would stay obedient and stay obedient and stay in his will. So this is where Isaiah is going at, towards the end of his book. The, the warning and the encouragement to stay faithful. This is good for us now. And, and we're in that same kind of last home stretch. Stay faithful. There's an end plan. Stay obedient. Don't let the world deceive you. Don't let it lead you astray with all of the immoral stuff that it's involved in. But this is what Isaiah is going to be doing in the last chapters. Warning them, warning them, warning them. Don't go there. Chapter 56. Thus says the Lord, preserve justice and do righteousness for my salvation is about to come and my righteousness to be revealed how blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who takes hold of it who keeps from profaning the sabbath and keeps his hand from doing any evil let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the lord say the lord will surely separate me from his people let not the eunuch say behold i am a dry tree for thus says the lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant to them, I will give in my house and within my walls a memorial and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name which will not be cut off. Also the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him and to love the name of the Lord to be his servants, everyone who keeps from profaning the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant, even those I will bring to my holy mountain to make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God who gathers the dispersed of Israel declares yet others i will gather to them to those already gathered all your beasts of the field all your beasts of the forest come to eat his watchmen are blind all of them know nothing all of them are mute dogs unable to bark dreamers lying down who love to stumble and the dogs are greedy and they're not satisfied and they are shepherds who have no understanding they all have turned to their own way each one to his upright game. To the last one, come, they say, let us get wine, let us drink heavily of strong drink. And tomorrow will be like today, only more so. See this, where this is going, there's a warning to stay faithful and, and the blessing that will come with those who stay faithful in Israel and out of Israel to be a blessing, no matter what your condition. But be careful. For those who will say, let's go be immoral, let's go party, because tomorrow's going to be like today. The Lord's not going to come back. We don't have to worry about our eternal future. 57. The righteous man perishes. No one takes it to heart. The devout men are taken away while no one understands. 
for the righteous man is taken away from evil. He enters into peace. They rest in their beds, each one who walked in his upright way. But come here, you son of a sorceress, offspring of an adulterer and a prostitute. Against whom do you jest? Against whom do you open wide your mouth and stick out your tongue? Are you not children of rebellion, offspring of deceit, who inflame yourselves among the oaks, under every luxuriant tree, who slaughter the children in the ravines, under the clefts of the crags, all this referring to their offering up of their offspring from their immorality to worshiping these gods, to Moloch and such, and then throwing their bodies in these ravines, to as their form of abortion in a sense. Verse 6, among the smooth stones in the ravines is your portion. They are your lot. Even to them you have poured out your drink offering. You have made a grain offering. Shall I relent concerning these things? Upon a, a high and lofty mountain you have made your bed. You also went up there to offer sacrifice. Behind the door and the doorpost you have set up your sign. Indeed, far removed from me. You have uncovered yourself and have gone up and made your bed wide, and you have made an agreement for yourself with them. You have loved their bed. You have looked on their manhood. You have journeyed to the king with oil and increased your perfumes. That king I need to mention right there is probably Molech. The word Molech can mean king, so it's probably referring to Molech. You have journeyed to the Molech, the king, with oil, increase your perfumes. You have sent your envoys to a great distance to make them and made them go down to Sheol. You were tried out by the length of the road. Yet you did not say, it is hopeless. You found renewed strength, therefore you did not faint. Of whom were you worried and fearful when you lied and did not remember me, nor give me a thought? Was I not silent, even for a long time, so you do not fear me? I will declare your righteousness and your deeds, but they will not profit you. When you cry out, let your collection of idols deliver you, but the wind will carry all of them up, and a breath will take them away. But he who takes refuge in me will inherit the land and will possess my holy mountain. And it will be said, build up, build up, prepare the way. Remove every obstacle out of the way of my people. For thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy. I dwell on a high and holy place, and also with the contrite and lowly of spirit, in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. For I will not contend forever, nor will I always be angry, for the spirit would grow faint before me. And the breath of those whom I have made because of the iniquity of his unjust gain, I was angry and struck him and hid my face and was angry. And he went out turning away in the way of his heart. I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will lead him and restore comfort to him and to his mourners, creating the praise of the lips. Peace, peace to him who is far and to him who is near, says the Lord and I will heal him. But the wicked are like the tossing sea, where it cannot be quiet. And its waters toss up refuse and mud. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Verse 
or chapter 58. Cry loudly, do not hold back, raise your voice like a trumpet, and declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sin. Yet they seek me day by day, and delight to know my ways, as a nation that has done righteous, and has not forsaken the ordinance of their God. They ask me for just decisions. They delight in the nearness of God. Why have we fasted, and you do not see? Why have we humbled ourselves, and you do not notice? Behold, on the day of your fast, you find your desire." And you drive hard all your workers. Behold, you fast for contention and strife, and to strike with the wicked fist. You do not fast like you do today to make your voice heard on high. It is a fast like this which I choose, a day for a man to humble himself. Is it for bowing one's head like a reed, and for spreading out sackcloth and ashes as a bed? Will you call this a fast, even an acceptable day to the Lord? Is this not the fast which I choose, to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, and to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke? It is not to divide your bread to the hungry and bring the homeless poor in your house when you see the naked to cover him, and do not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your recovery will speedily spring forth, and your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry, and he will say, I am here. If you remove the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking wickedness. And if you give yourself to the hungry, to satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness, and your gloom will become like midday. And the Lord will continually guide you, and satisfy your desire in scorched places, and give strength to your bones. And you will be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water, whose water does not fail. Those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins, and you will rise up the age-old foundations, and you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets, which to dwell, keeping the Sabbath. Because of the Sabbath you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure to my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord, honorable and honoring it desisting from your own ways, from seeking your own pleasure, and speaking your own word. Then you will take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth, and I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, from the mouth the Lord has spoken. Well, first off, since we're finishing on this whole thing of of the um, Sabbath, and we're seeing this, Sabbath was mentioned in a few other chapters here. It's very, very good to remember a few things. Number one, this is Israel in its rebellion, when it has really ceased from temple worship, all the tribes up north were were not observing the Sabbath at all. And there in Judah, they had been caught up in idolatry as well. It all depends on what time period we're, we're talking about here, but towards the nearing 
of the Babylonian captivity, it was getting very, very bad. This is why the temple was destroyed. And so they were not observing the Sabbath. And what was the Sabbath for? Isaiah just explains this. It was a day set apart completely to the Lord to be thinking about him and and fasting and spending a whole day honoring their God. Remember, that was his call. You will be my people, I will be your God. And uh, and he wanted that relationship with them. He wanted to spend what we'd say quality time with them, not just lip service. It was their day of worship. So for the nation of Israel, it was critical in their coming back to God. Those who would be blessed and go into the millennium, those who would really have a full understanding, desire, uh, and belief in the coming of the Messiah, would be those who would honor the Sabbath. Would they, they would be reading the scriptures. They would be praying and sacrificing and asking and saying, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, in the Old Testament sense. You know what I'm saying. In Hebrew, they would be saying, come Jehovah, come Messiah, come the anointed one. And they would be the ones that would then um, be uh, accepted and blessed. And God would promise them the blessings to come that would come in the millennium and all the things that would come forth from that. Does that mean all of these chapters we're reading about saying that, we, you know, honoring the Sabbath and those that honor, well, I will honor and these kind of things that we as Christians have to go to church on Saturday? No. Does it mean we honor the Sabbath? Or that we don't honor the Sabbath? No, we do honor the Sabbath. And then we talked about this a few days ago. I believe that it's essential we honor the Sabbath. But our understanding of the Sabbath is vastly different than that from the Old Testament. The Old Testament commandment on the Sabbath as Saturday was for the nation of Israel. And if you just read Hebrews and Galatians carefully and repeatedly and really look at it, I don't think you just even casually read it and you'll get it you get it very 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 clear from the writers that jesus is our sabbath rest he's our sabbath so are we to to be in god's goodwill are we to keep the sabbath sure in that sense we honor the sabbath by the fact that we have the relationship with jesus christ we spend our time worshiping him and god is less concerned about which day we do it but that we do it. And we have, as we just saw, we're reading chapter 21 in, in Acts. And yesterday we read chapter 20, and it was where Paul met with the Christians on Sunday, first day of the week, because that's where they met. That's when they met to have church. So not only do we have it theologically, we have it practically. We have it in the practice of the early Christians, the Jews, those that knew all about the Sabbath, they said, as believing Jews, we will worship Jesus on Sunday. So this is a big issue in the church. Don't let it confuse you, and don't feel embarrassed ever that you worship on Sunday. Rejoice in it. Say, hey, man, you guys only honor the Sabbath one day a week. We do it every day because we rest in it. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. Acts 21 when we had parted from them and had set sail, we ran a straight course to Kos, and the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patera. And having found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, 
we went aboard and set sail. When we came in sight of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we kept sailing to Syria and landed in Tyre. For there, a ship was to unload its cargo. After looking up the disciples, we stayed there seven days. And they kept telling Paul through the Spirit not to set foot in Jerusalem. When our days there were ended, we left and started on our journey. And while they all, with wives and children, escorted us until we were out of the city, after kneeling down on the beach and praying, we said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship and returned home again. When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemais, and after greeting the brethren, we stayed with them for many days. We stayed with them for a day. I'm sorry, I got distracted by text. On the next day, we left and came to Caesarea and entering the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven, we stayed with him. Now, this man had four virgin daughters who were prophetesses. As we were staying there for some days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, This is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him to the hands of the Gentiles. When we had heard this, we as well as the local residents began begging him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but to even die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we fell silent, remarking the will of the Lord be done. Verse 15. After these days, we got ready and started on our way up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea also came with us, taking us to Mason of Cyprus, a disciple of long standing with whom we were to lodge. After we arrived in Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. And the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. After he had greeted him, he began to relate one by one the things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they began glorifying God. And they said to him, You see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed, and they are all zealous for the law. And they have been told about you, that you are teaching all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children nor to walk according to their customs. What then is to be done? They will certainly hear that you have come. Therefore, do this that we tell you. For we have four men who are under a vow. Take them and purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads and all will know that there is nothing to the thing which they have been told about you but that you yourself also walk orderly keeping the law but concerning the gentiles who have believed we wrote having decided that they should abstain from meat sacrificed to idols and from blood and what is strangled and from fornication then paul took the men and the next day purified himself among them he went into the temple giving notice of the of the completion of the days of purification until the sacrifice was offered for each one of them. When the seven days were almost over, the Jews from Asia, 
upon seeing him in the temple, began to stir up the crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, come to our aid. This is the man who preaches to all men everywhere against the people and the law of this place. And besides, he has even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place, where they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, in the holy city with him. And they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. Then all the city was provoked, and the people rushed together, and taking hold of Paul, they dragged him out of the temple, and immediately the doors were shut. While they were seeking to kill him, the report came up to the commander of the Roman cohort, and to all Jerusalem, that all Jerusalem was in confusion. And at once he took along some soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the commander came and took hold of him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. And they began asking him who he was and what he had done. But among the crowd, some were shouting one thing and some another. And when he could not find out the facts about the uproar, he ordered him to be brought into the barracks. And when he got to the stairs, he was carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the mob. For the multitude of the people kept following him, shouting away with him. As Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the commander, May I say something to you? And he said, Do you know Greek? Then you, who are not the Egyptian, who some time ago stirred up a revolt and led 4,000 men of the Assyrians out into the wilderness? But Paul said, I am a Jew of Tarsus, of Cilicia, a citizen of no insignificant city. I beg you, allow me to speak to the people. When he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the stairs, motioned to the people with his hands, And when there was a great hush, he began to speak to them in the Hebrew dialect, saying, Oh, we're not going to get to, we're not going to see what he says yet. And that's tomorrow. (laughs) Stops right there for today. (laughs) On on Acts 21, anyway. So, um, obviously, we're seeing the continuation of Paul's press, pressing on into Jerusalem to be a witness to the entire Jewish and Gentile community of God's ministry to opening up the kingdom of God to all men. The Jews are not happy about this. Um, Paul knew they wouldn't be happy. He was prophesied that he was going to be taken prisoner. But notice Paul knew that even though the prophecies came from God, it was God reinforcing the prophecy. He would. He had already given him when he got saved that he would suffer greatly for his namesake. So he's just getting further prophecy from God. Just get ready, Paul. You're going to suffer for my namesake, and he was going, okay, so there he was, he's being beaten in Jerusalem, apparently taking these guys, and helping them complete their vows, did not help, did not convince the Jews of anything about Paul's um, Jewishness, and they immediately want to kill him, and we see him saved by the Romans, interesting, how the the Romans that are going to nail him to the cross are saving him, or nailing Jesus to the cross, save Paul here. Paul is going to experience a number of the same people that um, condemned Jesus and um, probably some of the Roman officials that 28 years earlier or so had uh, condemned Jesus will now be involved in this condemning him. He is a very small type of, of 
let's just say he's not not modeling Jesus, but he's modeling the um, faithfulness of Jesus to the Father, willing to lay his life down for the sake of the Jews, for the sake of the Gentiles. He had that heart, and he willingly went to his death with that belief. And this is also to testify to us of the reliability that Paul did not make this stuff up. People accuse Paul of being the one who wrote the Bible. Paul invented Christianity to get a big following around him. That people, A lot of people believe this, that Christianity was invented by Paul. You'll hear this in many circles. But not too many people invent something like this to get beaten repeatedly, thrown in prison, and have a miserable life of suffering, and then only to die uh, a martyr's death just to somehow be popular for a short period of time. No, this is a man who's died to himself and is not doing anything for himself, but doing it all to the Lord. He's willing to lay it all down here. Charles Spurgeon, Psalm 8110, needs to open our mouths, is the title. Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. Psalm 8110. What an encouragement to pray. Our human notions would lead us to ask small things because our deservings are so small. But the Lord would have us request great blessings. Prayer should be as simple a matter as opening of the mouth. It should be a natural, unconstrained utterance. When a man is earnest, he opens his mouth wide. And our text urges us to be fervent in our supplications. Yet it also means that we may make bold with God and ask many and large blessings at his hands. Read the whole verse and see the argument. I am Jehovah, thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. Because the Lord has given us so much, he invites us to ask for more, yea, to expect more. See how the little birds in their nests seem to be all mouth when the mother comes to feed them. Let it be the same with us. Let us Take in grace at every door. Let us drink it in as the sponge sucks up water in which it lies. God is ready to fill us. If we are only ready to be filled, let our needs make us open our mouths. Let our faintness cause us to open our mouths and pant. Yea, let the alarm make us open our mouths with a child's cry. The open mouth shall be filled by the Lord himself. So be it unto us, our Lord, this day. Beautiful, a beautiful description of the way that we should be seeking the Lord in prayer and praying. And um, we need to do that. And we need to be praying and thanking God. So let's go before him now. Father God, thank you for this beautiful day. And we are, Father, opening up our mouth wide, asking for great things, God, big things. We ask you to bring in the harvest here in Puerto Vallarta. Though your word go out strong in this city, which is the modern-day Sodom and Gomorrah, there is so much rebellion, there's so much um, immorality that goes on here. We thank you, God, that you're touching lives. We thank you. The evangelism team went out last night with a great group, with Tony coming back with his family, and Ken and John um, from England going out. We thank you, God, for that blessing that they were able to go out and share um, handing out tracts. We thank you for 
David and Luis, who considered themselves believers but were feeling down, it says, and struggling with sin. And that we pray that you would bless them, David and Luis, that you would encourage them and really help them come back and walk with you. We pray for Fernando, a believer, but he's still a young guy. He's still a young guy. He's homeless, and he's confused. So I pray that you would touch Luis and help him, God, to come embrace you fully and go beyond some of the Catholic ideology that he's probably been immersed in to understand fully what a full relationship with you is like. Pray for Isaiah, who's in YWAM, the organization in Nueva Vallarta, that he is uh, on fire then. We assume that Isaiah is on fire for you, so we thank you that he wants to come and join the, the evangelism team. So we thank you the evangelism team is growing, and there's an excitement there, and there's um, many people that are, that are involved there. We thank you for them. Thank you that I, I see so many people in the church just getting excited and being a part of it. And uh, Father, we ask, we open our mouth wide and just say, continue to bring in more people and use them, God, to be the light in the darkness, God, and be the love in the midst of an unloving place. So use them in a mighty way, God. Continue to use us in the church through all of the services that use all of us in the same way that we be loving upon one another and we be loving upon anyone that comes in the building. So we thank you for that. We also ask God that you would continue to just raise up workers, raise up those that are willing to serve you, God. We ask for big things that you would do your work through us as you desire in Vallarta. Through other ministries, we ask for big things, God, in in regard to the online ministry, that you would do an amazing work through reaching out, God. We desire to use this as a ministry outreach for your kingdom. And so may you make us available and uh, the knowledge that we are online every day to those who do not read their Bible, who those that are lonely, those who want to know you and want to understand the Bible. Do we pray for that as well? We pray for your hand upon Florida and your strength to go out to those first responders, the strength to go on to, for the churches, even the churches that have been flooded and affected, but make them bold, make them like Paul. Make them just completely have their minds uh, set upon serving you and counting the cost and reaching out and helping those in need. Be so many opportunities in the cleanup with those that have nothing, those that have are weak, that can't do anything for themselves or rebuild their homes. May you just um, use the church in a mighty way. And as they minister through their hands, may you minister to those with their hearts. Use them, God, to reach out. And may many, many, many people in Florida come to know you through this whole this whole situation. You came clo- so close to death. We pray that that death would now have open hearts and willing hearts to come and know you. Thank you for those that you're touching personally, Juan Carlos and those other people that um, that need your help physically for their bodies, which with they need cancer treatment, they need help. Touch them, God, and bless them today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, kind of went a little long today because there was a lot there to explain, a lot of chapters. So I'm just going to say thank you guys. Thank you for being with us. We will continue this again tomorrow. Keep looking up. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.